Moms and dads, this episode is for you. Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Shaleen is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. I wanted to address a topic that I get asked to do podcasts on all the time, and that's parenting. And even if you're not a parent, you might find this episode kind of interesting. It might give you some perspective on the way that you think about starting your own thing, or even just raising confident, happy children in the future. Of course, as always, I like to say, I'm not a parenting expert. I don't have everything figured out. Brett and I both have made plenty of mistakes. I'm sure our kids, you know, would tell you that we were good parents, but not perfect parents by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think there is such a thing. Number one. Number two, there's a certain element of luck that's involved with parenting. I mean, parenting has a lot to do with it, but you and I both know people who are incredible parents and nonetheless, they have a really difficult kid or two. I believe it's part nature and part nurture. And if you have more than one child, you probably believe that too. I mean, the best example I can give you is my friend Monica, who's got triplets and they're all being raised at exactly the same time, but they're so different. Like just the way they think, the things that they're into and the way that they respond. So there's a whole lot of good nurturing going on there, but nature is always at play as well. So of the things that we can influence with our parenting, I think it's important, really important. It's critical how significant our relationship with our kids and how we treat them, how we talk to them, and the experiences that we give them come to shape who they are, and they really come to shape their beliefs about themselves, in large part. And because I get asked this question all the time, and I feel like I'm almost kind of too close to the situation, and I guess also because my two kids are so different, but yet they're both entrepreneurs. I mean, their personalities are completely different, but yet at their core, like who they are in terms of their character, they're very similar. And I think that's where we, as parents, have the opportunity to really have some influence over their lives. So this episode on parenting is with regard or specifically about how to raise kids who are self-sufficient, like they can take care of themselves. And I also want to talk to you a little bit about raising a kid who understands entrepreneurship. Now, I want to say that, but I also want to remind you that the way we look at entrepreneurship needs to be redefined today. I think in the past, people would ask themselves, okay, am I more of the, um, you know, professional career person or am I more the type to be the renegade entrepreneur, startup, business person? And, you know, what I really want you to think of is in terms of income, because not everyone is cut out to run a business, but... (laughs) You bet your bottom dollar, everyone has the opportunity to make some extra income and they should be making a little bit of extra income just because the opportunity is there. The opportunity to to just be excited about something and share it with other people and make some money from it. And don't you want your kids to do that? I hope so. I mean, I don't think there's anything more important we can give our kids than belief in themselves, like just to know that if they get in a pinch, they can get themselves out of a jam like financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, that's key in my mind because that makes for a confident kid who's able to live their own life, right? Like they're not living in your basement at age 37. No offense. And I thought it might be interesting to, instead of just hearing from me, is maybe hear from 
my son Brock, his perspective on what this was like for him. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes parents have a different take on how they raise their kids versus how their kids have a take on it. I don't know if you've ever had this conversation with your parents uh, once you're an adult, but it's interesting. I don't even know if my mom and dad, like, because I've asked them this before, I'm like, what do you think it takes to raise kids who are confident, self-sufficient, and, you know, entrepreneurs, myself, my sister, and my brother, all three of us, shout out to Bill and Janelle, all three of us are entrepreneurs, and we always have been, like, since high school. And I don't even know if they know what we picked up on. And and I don't know how much of what they did was intentional. It felt like it was. But so many of the things I learned in terms of my beliefs as a kid that helped me to become an entrepreneur, I was very intentional about teaching those to Brock. Now, Brett, my husband, grew up in a household where, you know, people had a job. Like his father worked in the school system. His mom worked in the school system. And it was pretty scary for them. When Brett and I were first married and, you know, we were kind of explaining to them that we were, Brett was going to be quitting his job and we were, I was quitting my job and we were both focusing full time on building this business. You know, we were really young, we had a new baby and I don't think they thought it was the safest decision. They were very supportive, but I don't think, you know, if you were raised in a household where you went to work You knew exactly how much you were going to make each week. You knew how many weeks of vacation you would have, how much money was going into your 401k, and, you know, what retirement would look like. That's certainty. And that's what Brett grew up with. That's what his parents grew up with. I grew up in a household where there was a lot of uncertainty, and there were times we were desperately broke, but it never was scary. Like That was just part of it, right? So it never scared me to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know anything but that. Anyways, I could share with you what I think we did to help our kids to be entrepreneurs, and I'm going to do that, but I think it might be interesting first to hear it from Brock's perspective. So here's what I'm going to do. My son Brock is 20. He's a college athlete. He's a football player at UC Davis, and he has a great podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, it's called Social Media Moneymakers, which is really interesting. Because, I'm just thinking of this right now, because the very first business, well, I shouldn't say that, the first viable business that Brock created that was like making him money that we could actually, like needed to go to the bank, money that was helping him to buy his first car, which he bought completely by himself, was a business that he built using Twitter. And I think he was like maybe 10 or 11, of course, supervised. Of course, we always had passwords and logins and rules and boundaries around using social media, but his first business was on Twitter. And so it's kind of funny that his podcast is called Social Media Moneymakers. Anyways, I'm going to let you listen to his podcast because this is an episode that I borrowed from his podcast where he explains how it is he was raised to be an entrepreneur. And you'll also hear in this episode from his podcast, you'll hear, I hope, how he has been raised to know it's okay to make the wrong decision. And guess what else? When you do make the wrong decision, your mom and dad aren't going to swoop in and clean things up for you. We won't need to because you're going to be smart enough and resourceful enough and intelligent enough to know what you need to do to fix it yourself. You'll hear that in this episode, and I think that's probably more, I don't know, I think it's more insightful, I hope it is, than hearing me 
tell you what we tried to do as parents, listen to Brock's episode. Hey, and do me a favor, not just because he's my son, but because it's really great content to help you figure out social media. Even if you're not using it to make money, if you just you know, want to figure out a way to create passive income or just even understand social media a little bit better, be sure to subscribe to his podcast. It's called Social Media Moneymakers. And without further ado, here's my son, Brock Johnson. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Social Media Moneymakers. This is episode 14, how I became the entrepreneur I am today. In case we haven't met before, my name is Brock Johnson. I'm a social media stories strategist, and I've helped thousands of entrepreneurs learn to use quick video clips to connect and build their business. I'm a young entrepreneur who knows firsthand that it is possible to build a booming business with limited time and money. My mission is simple, to transform you into a social media money maker. And you can find me across all social medias as Brock11Johnson. And if you're new here, consider subscribing. I record weekly podcasts about the latest trends in social networking, the best small business and online business practices, and how to make money using social media. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about my story. Growing up with two business-owning parents, owning my own businesses, some successful, some total failures, starting at the age of seven years old, and some of the life lessons I've learned along the way. I guess since I technically am 50% of my mom and 50% of my dad, I should tell you a little bit about who they are because, I mean, that is who I am. My parents are both business owners. They've been entrepreneurs my whole life. When I was young, they owned a fitness apparel and fitness certification company. My mom was the face of the brand. My friends were always like, dude, I saw your mom on TV last night. And I was like, that's weird. And here I am like 15 years later and my friends are still texting me at two in the morning like, dude, your mom is on my TV right now. And I'm like, dude, that's really weird. But I actually watched my mom transition during my early teen years from someone who was just really focused on fitness to someone who was focused on the whole self. So she became a life coach, an entrepreneur coach. She helps business owners grow their brand online. She is, like I said, the face of the brand. And my dad is the behind the scenes. So my dad's the numbers guy, the math guy, the one who's going to figure out if these crazy dreams that my mom is having are actually tangibly possible. And he's also always been a football coach. He played football in high school, college, and the pros. And so as I was growing up, that was my main focus. I want you to understand that before you understand anything else about me is that growing up, I wasn't an entrepreneur kid. Maybe I had more entrepreneur knowledge than most kids. And maybe I was more interested in that than most kids. But it wasn't like my whole life revolved around making money or starting my own business. This is true. And it didn't matter to us. I mean, we really want our kids to live their own lives and to follow their own path. And you'll hear more about that later. But one thing I knew was really important to teach our children, things that I didn't necessarily learn growing up. I didn't learn until I started investing in personal development courses. And that was goal setting and how to keep myself organized and focused and on task and and the 80-20 principle. And I didn't learn any of these things when I was in school. I didn't learn them until after I graduated. So it's something I really wanted to impress upon my children when they were growing up. And so one of the things I taught Brock very early was how to create a push goal. Now, if you don't know what a push goal is, I invite you to check it out. Go to Smart Life. 
pushjournal.com. That is a day planner that I've designed around the push goal principle. It's a principle that allows you to attain your goals, not in a year's time, but in 90 days. Here's the big differentiator. It allows you to set goals that actually make you happy, that aren't about money. They're about what do you want to feel? What life do you want to live? To date, we've helped over a quarter of a million people learn the push goal process. The Smart Life Push Journal was designed not just to help you accomplish your goals in less than 90 days, but to help you keep track of your day. It gives you a place to create notes and to track your fitness, your nutrition, your sleep, and your water intake. These are factors of health that very few people actually measure. When you measure them, they improve. So check it out by going to smartlifepushjournal.com. And now back to my entrepreneurial son, Brock. Honestly, growing up, my life revolved around football. It was what I knew. My grandpa was the head football coach at our local high school. My uncle was playing in the NFL when I was young. My dad, I knew, had played college and in the pros and was also now coaching with my grandpa at that high school that I would eventually go to. So I played football growing up. I also played basketball, baseball. I rode bikes. I skateboarded. I was a kid. Growing up, I was a kid just like anyone else. I wasn't some whiz kid or some business genius. I was just a kid who loved to play sports and loved to compete. I've learned a ton, countless, numerous business tips, entrepreneur advice, so many things that would take other people years of business school and thousands of dollars to learn. I learned that for free growing up with my parents. But honestly, I feel like one of the reasons I'm successful in business is because I played sports as a young kid. So I feel like being in so many team environments and so many competitive environments growing up, it taught me to work hard, to not give up, to persevere. All those cliches that you hear, well, they're cliches, but they're actually true. And I learned them all growing up playing sports. And I haven't lost, and I hope I never lose, that love for sports. Okay, it's mom again. So when I listened to this from Brock, I thought, wow, That's something I hadn't ever really considered how valuable being a part of a team and playing sports is in developing young, confident kids who understand responsibility and follow through. Now, my own experience growing up, I played sports, but anytime I wanted to quit, my parents would let me. And I love my mom and dad, but, you know, I could definitely turn on the faucet, you know, cry or just say, hate it. I don't want to go to practice. I want to quit. And they would be like, okay, what do you want to do next? And so I didn't learn how to decide I was going to do something and then kind of see it to the end or at least stick to my commitment. I mean, when you join a sports team, and I always told my kids this, if you don't want to play next season or when signups come around again, you don't have to, but you made a commitment. So you're going to finish your commitment. And I definitely did not learn that lesson as a kid growing up. It's something I, in fact, really struggled with when I was in my early 20s. And I had to take a ton of personal development courses to learn how to focus and follow through. Okay. Anyways, back to Brock. I'm still a college athlete right now. I play quarterback at UC Davis. So I've actually learned how to balance having a social life, being a kid, playing sports, and pursuing my passion of owning my own business. 
Now, I wouldn't call my seven-year-old business necessarily a business by any real sense of the word, but at seven years old, I was inventing. I invented multiple products, one of which is called the Digi Helmet. I still think it would be a great idea, so hey, don't steal it from me. But basically, it was a helmet that kids could wear when they went out and rode their bike, and it would have an alarm clock on it and a way for them to Bluetooth and talk to their parents. Pretty sweet idea for a seven-year-old, right? Also, at age seven, I began drawing artwork for my fellow classmates, oftentimes portraits of my classmates, and then I would sell it back to them for like 10 cents a pop. So again, it wasn't like I was making any real money, but it was the beginning of learning how to build something that people would be interested in, how to sell it to them, how to market it to them, and how to make some money along the way. By the age of nine, I would say I started my first real business. I had a name, I had a website, it was called Lace My Kicks. For Christmas that year, my parents got me a book that explained different ways to creatively tie your shoes, different ways to weave and braid your shoelaces together to make cool designs. I started doing this on my own shoes and my friends started asking me, hey, how did you get your shoes like that? Can you do my shoes like that? And I thought, light bulb, I could charge my classmates to customize their shoes however they want. I made flyers, I went around to local businesses, I even went to some of the local malls and went to shoe stores and tried to pitch the idea to them as a service that they could add on so whenever someone bought a new pair of shoes, they also had the option to have me customize the shoelaces for them. Most of the shoe companies I went to shot me down because I was nine years old and so that business eventually died out. Did you notice that there were two years between my first quote-unquote business and lace my kicks, there's time in between because like I said, I was a kid. My passion and my focus wasn't being an entrepreneur. My passion and my focus growing up was just being a kid, playing sports, having fun. So after moving on from lace my kicks, I got into power balance. Do you remember those little wristbands that promised you better flexibility, faster speed, and better strength just by wearing some little wristband with some They said there was an ancient Native American technology involved in the bracelets. And so I was a distributor for Power Balance for two years. I had a website, Power Balance Brock, where people could go. They could buy Power Balance wristbands from me. And then every week I would use that money to go and buy the items and then ship them to the people. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. It's mom again. You're probably listening to this and thinking, this poor kid, oh my gosh, his parents like forced him to be a distributor and you know, he just should have been a kid. You know, I think calling himself a distributor sounds like it might have been pretty intense, but honestly, he was like so passionate about these wristbands because some of the NFL football players were wearing them. And the headquarters happened to be located in Southern Cal. And I said, well, you know, you could send him an email. So I kind of helped him compose the email. And I can't remember what they said. Either way, I remember like the answer was no. But I said, well, why don't we just drive down to their headquarters and you can see if you could meet with the owners. And you've got to teach your kids to have conversations with adults, not to be afraid to go up to the counter and order themselves, not to be afraid to ask for assistance when they're in a store, you know, to have these kinds of conversations. Don't have them for your kids. So anyways, we drove them to the headquarters and I, you know, gave them a few tips on what to say and how to explain to them what it is he wanted to do. 
And I think they just thought he was so freaking cute because he was. It's not just because he's my son. But I think they thought it was pretty endearing that this kid was so passionate about these bands that he wanted the ability to be able to sell them. And I also think they probably assumed he never would, that they're like, yeah, sure, kid, we'll let you buy them wholesale. And that's really what it was. They just they let him buy the bands wholesale. It's not like he had a downline or it wasn't a multi-level marketing organization. It was just they let him buy them wholesale. And he did. And the other thing I want to kind of help those of you who are parents understand is we would encourage him to follow through on whatever it was he said he wanted to do. It was his own money that he used to buy the first grouping of bands. And then once he sold those, he had more money. And then he would use his own money again to buy more and replenish them. But we also, you know, wanted him to recognize that you have to balance this with your sports and with school. So it wasn't like he was spending hours and hours on it every week. Not at all. You know, he'd get like all geeked up about it and spend an entire Saturday just totally focused on it or a Sunday or whatever. And then he'd forget about it for a couple of weeks or maybe even a month. And I want you to understand that because A kid having a business, I don't know, I see these kids on Shark Tank and stuff, and I think, you know, they're not having a childhood. To teach your kid to be an entrepreneur, you just have to give them the experience so they have evidence on their own that they can be passionate about something that they believe helps other people and that they can actually make some profits in the process. That was our only objective. It wasn't to have him you know, be on the cover of Forbes magazine by the age of 12. It was just simply to give him an experience, evidence that it's possible. So if your child is starting something, don't ride them to work on it all the time or to grow it. Just give them a positive experience where they understand what the potential is. All right, continue, Brock. The way I turned being a distributor into owning my own business was I customized the wristband. So again, I offered a unique service, just like with the shoelaces, but this time the unique service was that I would add rhinestones to your power balance wristband for about $10 more. I was actually very successful with this, not just selling to my classmates anymore, I was actually able to sell to people online. I even had one order of over 300 wristbands. That was basically my going out of business sale Because after that sale, I decided to cash out and save all the money that I had made so far with Power Balance. Okay, now this is a true story and it's pretty interesting. So let me explain what happened. So he had a Twitter account that was primarily how he would reach people. And because at the time, Brett and I were teaching social media, we were doing these social media boot camps. And we would teach our students how to basically have a dashboard and use hashtags and have all these personal conversations with people and show them pictures, etc. He racked up a huge following right away. And he, you know, had like international people following. This is like way back when, like before Twitter was even cool. And somebody from China saw these wristbands, you know, knew all the NFL players were wearing them. Of course, I was always wearing them. All my friends were wearing them. Of course, you know, that's how your friends do. They're supportive. And so all my girlfriends, in fact, that's how the rhinestone idea came about because all my girlfriends were like, hey, Brock, do you think you could add rhinestones to these? Because they were pretty masculine looking wristbands. Anyways, someone from China reached out to him and placed an order for 300 wristbands. And that's where Brett and I stepped in and we're like, okay, First, let's just help him figure out if this is legit, because 
even as adults, we'd been taken advantage of with online scams before. Anyways, we checked it out. It was legit. And I like how he says he cashed out. I love it. That's his story. As I remember it, this order of 300 became a nightmare because he had to hand adhere, like with this machine, each one of the rhinestones. It wasn't like he did a ton of them, but there were like maybe 10 stones around each bracelet. So he was trying to get his sister to work for him and his friends to work for him. And then eventually I kicked in to help him. And we just realized, okay, you know, you had your experience. And now let's close shop and put the money in the bank until you come up with your next big idea. The reason I was so focused on saving money, even from an early age, was because my parents told me that whatever I raised for my first car, they would match. If I raised $10,000, they would give me $10,000, and then I could buy a $20,000 car for my first car. I was really motivated by this. So at 16, I bought my first car, but I bought it using entirely my own money. I was very proud of this. I didn't use my parents' offer to match whatever I had raised. Okay, I'm just going to correct the story a little bit. He was actually 15 when he bought his first vehicle and it wasn't a car it was a truck this was an incredibly valuable lesson that i learned from my parents which i don't think i don't know i haven't asked them but i don't think it was intentional i think we were just broke and my dad was just really good at teaching me how to be resourceful so i had saved up a ton of my own money from you know just whatever birthdays cutting the lawn, chores, doing things around the neighborhood for neighbors, etc., raking leaves. And I took that money after saving it, you know, all these years. And I think I was like maybe 14 or 15. And we went to a state auction. I bought a used vehicle from the state of Michigan, an orange El Camino with my dad's help. And oh my gosh, just like Brock is about to explain to you, the feeling of pride That experience gave me, I can't even tell you, because I knew like when I shared that story, like it would impress people, kids who are my age, it would impress parents. It just made me feel so capable. I can't even tell you. Like, look, I'm, you know, approaching 50, I'm 49, and I'm still telling the story. It still gives me great pride to know that I did that because once I bought the vehicle, I had it painted black and then I couldn't even drive. I sold it and made more money, and then I just kept this process going. I kept flipping vehicles. I knew from my own experience that that was such a profoundly important step to building my own confidence that I wanted that same thing for my kids. Now, we softened a little bit, you know, and we said to them, whatever you raise will match. I don't know if I would do that again. Even though we told them that, I also would try to brainwash them, and I'd be like, you know, we'll match it, but I got to tell you, it is so cool if you buy it yourself. And then as each kid, as they're growing up, whatever they had in the bank, I would go online and I would show them, see, right now, based on how much you saved, this is the kind of vehicle you could buy. And I would show them what kind of used vehicles. And I would say, now, if you could just earn another $1,000 by the time you're 16, look what more you could get for your money. And, And that got them really excited. Okay, well, at this point, we're coming up on that half hour mark. And I'm really trying to keep the Shaleen show under you know, that 30-minute mark or right around that 30-minute mark so you can kind of plan your day accordingly. So I'm going to stop our story here and I will release part two later this week, okay? And you definitely want to listen to part two because in that second part, Brock shares some 
pretty serious adversity that he's been through and how it helped to shape his perspective on having a plan and then having a plan not go as you planned. In that episode, I will also share with you Brett and I, our philosophy when it came to Brock playing football, how we handled that decision. You'll also hear how he made, Brock made the decision to transfer universities and how that affected Brett and I and how we factored into that decision, what we asked for him to do when there was no school for him to go to right after he left Georgetown and how we handled that. In that episode, you'll also hear about Brock's uh, most successful business, a business where he was able to earn $20,000 on his own in just one month, only then to be shut down by the NCAA. Don't worry, he got his business back, appealed, the appeal was accepted, and he's been reinstated, but you'll learn about that and more. So much great stuff in this next episode. I can't wait for you to hear it, and I can't wait to hear your feedback on this one. So please do me a favor and write an episode review by going to the iTunes podcast for The Shaleen Show. And you just, if you look at the the page where you can see all of the episodes listed, just below the image for the show, it says, write a review. All you do is click and you can literally leave a five-star review because I know you wouldn't leave a four-star because it would not be very nice. You can literally leave a review right from your phone. And I know myself and Brock would really appreciate that. And hey, while you're there... Looking at your podcast app, you might as well add Social Media Moneymakers, which is Brock's podcast. It's awesome. I'm not just saying that because he's my kid. It's a really, really good show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I love you. You are the bomb.com, and I'll catch you in a couple of days. 